Welcome to the Detroit Lions Morning Rounds Podcast. I'm Jimmy Liao. I'm a University of Michigan Medical School graduate and board certified in family medicine. This podcast will focus on the intersection of the Detroit Lions, NFL, COVID, and medical issues related to all of the above. So let's talk about week one of the Lions. Medical update. Lots of hamstring strings coming into the game. Galladay and Akuda came in with hamstring issues. I had speculated that Kenny Galladay's hamstring might actually be a hold-in due to a breakdown contract negotiations, as he has not been extended yet. However, it does appear that it's likely to be a true hamstring strain, although it's not certain. Akuda having a hamstring strain is disappointing, as we were hoping he'd be a starter for us this year. During the game, Desmond Trufant went down with a hamstring. Justin Coleman also went down with a hamstring. Coleman's appeared to be more significant as he had to be helped off the field. And he has today gone on IR, which means he is out for at least three games or three weeks. The IR rule has changed this year. In previous years, a player had to be out for at least eight weeks. And you could only bring two or three guys back from IR. This year... You can bring an unlimited number of guys back from IR, and they only need to be out for three weeks. So the IR rule change actually gives fans an insight into how severe players' injuries are. If they're not placed on IR, that's a good sign that it's a short-term injury because the team thinks the player might be back within one or two weeks. So it's good news that Galladay, Akuda, and Trufant have not gone on IR as of yet. Another thing I was watching for in game one was any severe tears such as ACL or Achilles tears. Now this year was a COVID year with no preseason games, no intra-squad scrimmages. The number of Achilles and ACL tears during this preseason seemed to be less than in previous years. In a typical year you see up to a third or even a half of all ACL and Achilles tears occur during the preseason. This year, there didn't seem to be that many. The Lions only had Jayshon Cornell with an Achilles tear. Now, the question was whether there was going to be a surge of these kind of tears during the first couple games of the season. Well, fortunately for the Lions, there was no ACL or Achilles tear during game one, and we'll keep an eye on that going forward. If we can get through the first two or three weeks of no tears, then that's a good sign that we're pretty solid and safe for the rest of the season. Achilles and ACL tears certainly can still happen later in the season, but for some reason, it's less likely. And most, a larger percentage of players seem to get it early on during the season, usually during the preseason. The other injury issue was DeAndre Swift, who had missed one to two weeks of training camp for what was reported as an upper leg injury. It wasn't exactly clear what was going on there. There was even a question whether he was going to play in game one. So it was surprising to see that he wasn't even listed on the injury report. And he actually played the most number of snaps of all the running backs. He played 44% of snaps. Adrian Peterson played 31%. Kerryon Johnson, 26%. Now, I was a little disappointed to see that Swift didn't get that many carries, but it was good to see that he played a lot of snaps. 
one thing that was disappointing was that Kiryan Johnson had such limited snaps because from all indications, he's been healthy throughout all training camp. Now, he's had injuries the past couple of years, specifically with his knee. I suspect he's had a meniscus issue or meniscus tear with his knee in the past, although it's never been reported. He is wearing a knee brace permanently at this point, which suggests he may have some kind of chronic instability with his knee involving one of his ligaments, maybe his ACL, PCL, or MCL. As far as the game itself, it felt like I was watching a replay of a 2019 game. The Lions were extremely passive on offense in the second half. There are three specific sequences I wanted to highlight. Number one, there was a third and 12 play where Stafford immediately tried to dump a pass to Swift in the flat. That's a very passive call, not really designed to get a first down. Now, whether it was because Stafford did not want to take a risk going down the field or if the play call was designed to go immediately to Swift, we don't know, but that was a passive call. The second was when they ran Adrian Peterson on first and second down, gained about five yards, and then on third down, Stafford tries to throw a five or six yard pass it gets bounced up in the air and gets intercepted. So the issues with that are, why are we not doing play action on first down and trying to take shots down the field? And on a third and short, you are allowed to throw it beyond the marker. You are allowed to throw it 10 to 15 yards, even though it's a third and five. Stafford has the arm to do that. We have the receivers to do that. And with all the defenders at the first down marker, trying to stop the first down, we need to go over the top more. And that's an issue I saw last year, and it's an issue we're again seeing this year. The third scenario sequence that I had an issue with, with was when Stafford rolled out to his right to throw a quick pass. Now, we don't know for sure that it was designed to be a quick pass, but over the past few years, when we see that kind of thing, almost always it's a quick throw to try to gain three or five yards. Well, the initial read in this case wasn't open, so he held the ball, tried to make a play down the field, but got sacked. Now, Stafford's great in many ways, but one of his weaknesses is his ability to throw on the run, and his feet aren't that quick to escape pressure. So, First of all, why are we just trying to throw a quick three to five yard pass? And second of all, why are we putting Stafford in a position of weakness? The defense is already scrunched up to the line of scrimmage, already trying to stop the short passes. Again, we should be trying to go over the top and trying to get a first down on first down. The goal should be to try to score, not try to just barely get first downs. Now, there was a question whether we should have tried to go for that 55-yard field goal with Prater, which he ended up barely missing. I fully support Prater kicking the 55-yard field goal. He can do it. I think that's an aggressive call, and it's a more aggressive call than punting. And that's what the Lions need to be doing is more aggressive calling. Now, let's move to the defense. It, just like the offense, looked a lot like last year. Most of the game, the run defense was poor. That was one of the main concerns coming into the season. We lost Snacks and Ishan Robinson, who didn't play well last year. We replaced them with Nick Williams, 
Danny Shelton, Deshaun Hand, who missed much of last year. The rung stopping was mediocre. The Bears consistently got five-plus yards on rungs. The other issue with the defense was pass rush. Major issue last year, and that was the number one issue coming into this year. Well, I did see an increased amount of blitzing, an increased number of five-man rushes. However, it wasn't creative enough to ever get a free rusher. There was just not enough stunting, not enough deception to fool the offensive line. Now, you watch other teams around the league, specifically the Steelers, which I focused on in game one. They're so creative and deceptive with their rushes that they get free rushers on a regular basis. We're not getting that. And I blame that on the scheme. I blame that on the coaches. Coming into this year, we really needed Corey Unlung to put his stamp on the defense, add some creativity and scheming that we haven't seen in the past couple years. So far in game one, I'm disappointed. And it really makes me wonder if Patricia is capable of figuring out the strategic flaws in game management here. We'll see how this plays out over the rest of the year. Another thing I wanted to talk about is Adrian Peterson who had a very impressive game. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of signing him for multiple reasons. I'm generally not a big fan of signing stop-gap aging veterans, especially ones with a history of bickering with coaches, like he did with Sean Payton a few years ago. And I feel like our young running backs are good, and I'd like to see them get a chance to prove themselves and to develop and become our future. Well, AP did have a huge impact on this game, gashed a lot of big rungs, so that was great to see. However, it's highly concerning that we have two second-round picks, including a very high second-round pick in Swift, who didn't get many carries in the game. So it begs the question, if a 35-year-old running back who we signed for the veteran minimum just about two minutes before the season started is immediately our featured running back, what does that say about our current roster of young running backs? It's something to keep an eye on going forward and is a concerning sign. Maybe it was just a ride-the-hot-hand situation because AP did have a very good game, but I do want to see our young running backs get more opportunities and become featured to see if they can be our running backs for this year and the future. Well, thanks for watching and listening. This is the Detroit Lions Morning Rounds podcast. I encourage your thoughtful comments and questions. You can find this podcast on YouTube. Please leave comments on YouTube or on my Twitter at JimmyLeoMD. I appreciate any ratings or hitting the subscribe button. Thank you.